Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international best-selling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. All right, guys, it's the last chance to get involved with our film as time is running out on our campaign. It's dark and twisted, so join in with our more than 625 other investors and actually own shares in the film which means you could potentially see a return if the film is successful. Check it out at startengine.com slash angryboy or click the link in the description below. Five strange cases of recluse people. The social animals we rely on other human beings to thrive. This need for social interaction is so great, some sociologists say that most people wouldn't last long without a sense of belongingness, even if they had everything else they needed for survival. But as always, there are a few bizarre exceptions to this. Here are five strange cases of recluse people. Number five, Matthew Millett. On November 20th, 2010, Matthew Millett and another youngster, Cohen Klein, lured their common friend, David Ouchterlone, to the Belanglo State Forest, a pine forest in the Australian state of New South Wales. There, the two teenagers brutally tortured, tormented, and murdered young David with a double-sided axe. The gruesome murder shocked the whole country and left many asking, how could a quiet teenager possibly murder one of his only friends? Matthew Millett, formerly known as Matthew Muleman, grew up in Bargo, New South Wales. He was very reclusive, spending most of his time minding his own. Thus, he only had one close friend, and that was none other than David Outerlone. Matthew's reclusiveness grew even worse during his years at Picton High School, he was often found playing with his knife and would brandish it to anyone who invaded his space. One of the darkest points came when Matthew took on the surname of his great uncle, Ivan Malat. Ivan was an Australian serial killer known around the world as the Backpack Murderer. He killed at least seven people between 1989 and 1993 and was convicted in 1996 with multiple life sentences. Matthew was so proud of his uncle that after murdering young David, he would boast that he killed somebody last night. 
This kind of behavior made it easy for the police to pinpoint the killer. And two days later, Matthew and his accomplice were arrested and charged with murder. During the trial, one of the most horrifying audio recordings of a crime was played out. Apparently, Klein had recorded the whole incident on his phone. In it, Matthew can be heard tormenting David and accusing him of stealing money. David was then heard reeling in extreme agony after he was struck with an axe. He let out a terrible, guttural moan, a sound that shocked the people in the courtroom. Matt continued to strike his friend intermittently before finally bringing down the blow that ended his life. Each of the convicted was given lengthy prison sentences, Matthew with 43 years, while the other served 32. It wasn't explicitly revealed in the report as to what motivated the murder. However, for someone as strange and reclusive as Matthew Malott, it's highly likely that his desire was to follow the murderous footsteps of his great-uncle. Number 4. Ted Kaczynski There are only a handful of people who can change the world with their brilliant minds. Unfortunately, not all of them use their gifts for good. At 16 years old, Ted's brilliance earned him a scholarship from Harvard, and his time there was truly something special. He produced numerous dissertations and journals that gained widespread praise and won multiple awards. Ted also taught at institutions of higher education, including the prestigious University of California, Berkeley. Ted was on a path to a dazzling academic career, but instead of continuing on the road to greatness, he took a strange and sinister turn. In 1969, he resigned from UC Berkeley. Two years later, he moved to a remote cabin that he built outside Lincoln, Montana. Apparently, Ted yearned to lead a life free from the trappings of the modern world. So he escaped the city and learned survivalist skills such as hunting, farming, and edible plant identification. But during his isolation, Kaczynski became a victim of his own genius. He slowly began believing that mankind was enslaved by a machine-controlled society. To fight this society, Ted launched a terrorism campaign that targeted the people he felt were responsible for the abusive system. Between 1978 and 1995, Kaczynski mailed or hand-delivered a series of homemade bombs that killed a total of three people and left 23 injured. These bombs were craftily made and were impossible to trace where they were from. His first target was a professor of materials engineering at Northwestern University, who suffered serious injuries to his hands when the bomb exploded. Ted also sent his bombs to tech entrepreneurs and people in the airline industry. His last two victims, an advertising executive and a timber industry lobbyist, both of whom perished from the deadly surprise they received. The FBI referred to these attacks as UNIBOM, an acronym for University and Airline Bombings. They also then dubbed the mysterious criminal behind these bombings as the UNIBOMBER. For almost 20 years, the UNIBOMBER evaded detection and arrest. All the while, his activity continued, and his bombs became more and more destructive. 
A big break in the case finally came, though, in 1995, when major newspapers published Kaczynski's anonymous essay in hopes that someone would recognize the Unabomber's writing style. And indeed, someone did. Ted's brother David immediately knew who wrote that essay, and he pointed the authorities to the man they were looking for. The FBI arrested Kaczynski at his cabin in Montana. There, they found a heap of incriminating evidence, including an explosive device and a 40,000-page journal with the details of his crimes. In 1998, the Unabomber was sentenced to prison for life on 13 bombing-related charges. He is currently incarcerated at the United States Penitentiary Administrative Maximum Facility. Number 3. J.D. Salinger Unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard of the novel titled The Catcher in the Rye. This book remains to be one of the most important literary works ever produced in the early 20th century. Equally famous as the novel was its author, J.D. Salinger. Born in Manhattan, New York, Salinger was well known as one of America's most reclusive celebrities. His unsociable behavior began right after the huge success of The Catcher, when the public began to hound him. To escape the limelight, Salinger decided to abandon his New York home and move to Cornish, New Hampshire in 1953. When he first moved, the famed author was initially friendly with the locals, so much so that he even agreed to have an interview with a local high school newspaper. However, this interview ended up getting published by a major publication, which greatly upset Salinger. In response, the writer cut off all contact with the members of his community. Fortunately for him, the townsfolk respected his wish for utmost privacy. When journalists and reporters did come around, Salinger's neighbors would refuse to disclose his address. After those events, J.D. was then seen less and less. Witnesses said that the recluse author was incredibly careful when he went outside, fearing that he might capture attention. As such, some people saw him eating in the kitchens of restaurants, the jeep he drove had curtains on the windows, and the only person he would meet was his friend, Learned Hand. His writing outpost also dwindled. After his short story collection, Nine Stories, he only produced a handful of others, and in 1965, he stopped publishing altogether. Nothing was heard about the best-selling author since then, he had all but disappeared from the public, but on January 27, 2010, news broke out that J.D. Salinger had passed away. His representatives told the New York Times that the man died of natural causes at his home in New Hampshire. He was 91 years old, and despite never publishing anything after 1965, Salinger had been writing a lot behind the scenes. His family announced in 2019 that they would share his works sometime in the future. Number 2. Thomas Blasquez Experts say that chronic isolation can have some profound effects on one's thinking. Records show that some of the most ruthless killers in history are reclusive social misfits, and one of these was Thomas Blasquez. Thomas was described as a very reclusive chap by his Onslow Gardens neighbors in London. A resident in the neighborhood for over two decades, 
Blasquez wouldn't give as much as a nod to people. Other times, he would hide behind the door of his house while being talked to. The hermit, as what he was sometimes called, wasn't necessarily a threatening person, although many suspected he was suffering some sort of mental illness. On one occasion, Thomas's neighbors got a glimpse of how strange the man truly was. After getting involved in a commotion, the police raided his home in search of weapons. And in there, they found an array of swords, which the authorities then confiscated. On September 3, 2013, a 77-year-old woman named Rosemary Shearman, a resident of Platford Green Horn Church, was getting ready to go on a luxury cruise to the Norwegian fjords. She was waiting for her taxi to pick her up and take her to Dover, but at around 10 a.m. that day, Thomas knocked on her door. When Shearman's taxi driver arrived at the home, no one came out to meet him. After knocking on her door and getting no response, the driver inquired with the neighbors, who happened to have a duplicate key for her home. But as they opened the door, Nothing could have prepared them for the grotesque scene before them. Lying on the floor was the lifeless body of Rosemary. She was found bloody with multiple stabbings to her chest and a large handkerchief stuffed in her mouth. At that same moment, witnesses saw a silhouette moving towards the bathroom in the house. When authorities arrived, they found Blasquez in the bathroom covered in blood. He had suffered from self-inflicted wounds to his wrists, abdomen and neck. The authorities rushed him to the hospital, but Blasquez's attempted suicide ultimately failed. Further investigations revealed that Thomas, who was a former prosecution caseworker at a local court, had some serious gambling debts. It's possible that Rosemary was one of his creditors. According to court documents, the accused bound the grandmother with tape and rope and then beat her before killing her. In 2014, the 51-year-old received a minimum sentence of 18 years in prison for the murder of Rosemary Shearman, and even while in prison, Blasquez was as reclusive as ever, refusing to make any social contact with anyone. Number 1. Sid Barrett Roger Keith Sid Barrett was considered by most as an eccentric musical genius. He co-founded Pink Floyd, a 1960s rock band known for its psychedelic type of music. As an instrumentalist, he was well known as one of the most influential users of studio effects such as dissonance, distortion, echo, and feedback. But as the band rose to fame, so did Barrett's use of LSD. As many know, LSD is a very potent drug capable of affecting the user's mental abilities. LSD can distort and alter the user's perceptions and sensations and has psychedelic effects that users crave. This makes the drug popular among artists who wish to gain otherworldly inspiration for their work. LSD is not considered to be an addictive drug, yet Barrett's high intake of it set his well-being on a downward spiral. Barrett's bandmates used to describe him as a friendly and open person, but he gradually grew aversive to social interactions. Soon, Barrett was experiencing increased moments of hallucinations, intense mood swings, and even periods of catatonia. 
It wasn't long before Barrett began to miss sessions for weeks, and his performances went from extraordinary to average to poor. There were times when Barrett would just stare blankly into the crowd while on stage, and other times when he would detune his guitar while performing, and this greatly disturbed his bandmates. It only got worse from there. Barrett's blank stares were no longer limited to the stage, but he would go blank during interviews and other public appearances as well. It was getting out of hand, and Barrett's mental breakdown eventually forced him to leave the band altogether. After Pink Floyd, Sid tried to dabble in some independent music projects but failed. In 1978, he decided to drop everything and live out the rest of his life in his mother's home in Cambridge, England. There he spent his time doing mundane chores like gardening. He also embarked on some crazy home renovation projects, such as painting every wall of their house with a different color. After his mother's death, the only person he was in contact with was his sister who lived nearby. He totally shunned himself away from others. Even his former bandmates couldn't get to him. Fortunately, his retirement was well supported by the huge royalties he earned from his music. His friends in the band, like David Gilmore, always made sure that his money would get to him. His reclusive lifestyle, however, led to the further decline of his health. He suffered stomach ulcers and was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Barrett, who reverted to his birth name, Roger Keith, died at home in Cambridge on July 7, 2006, from pancreatic cancer. So there were five strange cases of recluse people. Whether these individuals just hated being with others or were simply introverts, they surely took the concept of solitude to severely intense heights. If you enjoy watching this video, then please subscribe to our channel. We have two new videos coming out every single week for you guys to check out. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you soon.